Today on episode 7 of the Geek Out podcast, we talk about Disney's new streaming service. What The Walking Dead is like without Rick Grimes. New trailers for Toy Story 4 and Detective Pikachu. And of course, the sad news we just couldn't avoid, the death of Stan Lee. Let's geek out. Sometimes you know it's good to be a geek. The podcast. Podcast time. This is episode 7 of the Geek Out podcast. I am Webmeister Bud. Host of Bud's Weekly Geek Out, little three-minute show, 7.20 or so, with Dylan and Jason on the morning zone. Did I say Wednesdays? It happens on Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this is a larger form podcast where we talk about geeky things. Let's go clockwise. No, I went clock. Let's go counter... That's counterclockwise if you want to go to art first. Let's go counterclockwise. Art Aronson. Hey, yes, I'm here. I'm a reporter with the Q in the Zone radio station. I'm here. Third time, second time in a row. Third time ever. <laughs> and he's here. Episode 7. Paul Blastino. Paul Blastino, a man about town, wealthy gadabout, and host <laughs> of the Afternoon Zone, as well as the PJ Party Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Brian Boitano, DJ, father, I don't know how to billboard. I, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm also a huge geek, so yeah, come, come and talk to me or whatever listen to this podcast that's what we want to do okay Okay. yeah uh we won't get too zippy because we have to lead with some awful awful news Mm -hmm. uh we found out that um stan lee the man of marvel comics uh died this week at the age of 95 paulie's probably the only guy in this room who who uses the phrase excelsior on a regular basis oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, do you know, it is sad. I mean, a man has died, but also uh, 95 years old is not a short life. Um, it's like it's tough for, for me to be uh, overly sad about it. Um, uh, simply that it's a, a life worth celebrating. That's the nice thing about uh, this is that the outpouring of nothing but love and appreciation of what Stan has accomplished in his life and what his legacy is, is so wonderful and so beautiful. Uh, It goes far beyond, I mean, created all the characters we love. Um, I uh, grew up mostly knowing him as the man who uh, created Spider-Man and who I was so thankful for that because I loved Spider-Man so much growing up. But uh, it's like known more recently for the cameos, the endless cameos in every single Marvel property, and some even times he would cameo over to DC. Like that was so fun. Um, uh, with always a sense of humor about himself, it felt like uh, it's like a, the coolest, coolest grandpa you could ever imagine showing up in these things. But also, his legacy is kind of one of uh, inclusivity and uh, equality as he tried to fight on the progressive side of things and used his platform for many, many years. Uh, his involvement in the X-Men, you know, and kind of fighting for minorities' rights. Uh, his uh, uh, fighting for and creating uh, minority characters, uh, such as Black Panther, for that exact reason. His way of showing that comics and uh, hero dumb, you know, belong to everybody. That was the big thing about Spider-Man, was that, uh, and it was very important, it came right from Stan, is that, Spider-Man was not this wealthy billionaire playboy like Batman or Tony Stark. He was a kid. You know, it's like he could have been anyone under that mask. Uh, he could have looked like you or like you like you did back in high school, and that was his thing. Um, so that legacy is great. So, I mean, yes, sad that he's gone. Sad that we'll only have probably two more cameos uh, that have been already filmed at this point to look forward to. Weird 
to imagine a Marvel Cinematic Universe without the obligatory Stanley cameo. Mm-hmm. I, it's just like uh, it's always such a highlight, and you're like, oh, there he is, right? Even though they're one second long, usually <laughs> doesn't even do anything. Yeah. And so many of them, right? So silly. But uh, it's so weird to think that we won't have those anymore. Nothing will replace them. Very likely. Um, but uh, again, at 95 and a well-lived uh, life, all we can really do is celebrate the man, I think. Well said. Well mm. said. Favorite Stan Lee cameos? Ooh. I've got a couple. Okay. The one, you know what? I think the one that's my favorite, and Paul kind of touched on this, it wasn't even in a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, was in a, it was in a DC movie. It was in that uh, Teen Titans Go Movie, the, Teen, so Titans Teen Titans go, go to, to the movies, yeah. um, and Teen Titans Go is kind of like the G-rated Deadpool, right? In that, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's very self-aware. It makes fun of itself quite a bit. It's a cartoon. It's a regular, yeah. regular uh, occurring cartoon. Fantastic show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My kid asked to see this, and I'm like, oh, okay, I've heard Brian talk about this, and, and I was hooked. Yeah. yeah. I love the show. So yeah. self-referential. Well, the whole and- premise of, of this is... Because is the Teen Titans like led by Robin and then there's Cyborg and uh, all these other superheroes that are kind of, you know, younger and not really really top level Justice League. Uh, they're, they're wanting to get their own movie. Right. So they basically stumble onto the Warner Brothers lot and they start talking about something. They're grouped onto the lot. And all of a sudden this janitor that kind of looks like Stan Lee is just <laughs> sweeping up behind them. And then he like pokes his head up and looks that sees that there's a camera and starts waving in the background in front of all these or in behind all of these characters, and then comes into the actual foreground and is like, "Hey, it's your old pal Stan Lee doing his signature cameo." <laughs> and then they all tell him it's a, it's a DC movie, and he's like, "It's a DC movie. I gotta get out of here." <laughs> So the great oh, thing about that, and because so I had to Google this afterwards, is like, this, was this just them making fun of Stan Lee, or was this actually Stan Lee? Because it sounded like Stan Lee, and it really was Stan Lee. Like they actually went to his office and uh, with a you know portable recording device, and they recorded that cameo at his office. And uh, I think the thing I was telling Paul about this, the thing on uh, the article that I was reading, was that the the recording device was actually screwing up. It wasn't uh, recording properly, so they had to get him to do it, uh, I think, another time or oh, whatever. Uh, and, you know, he made the, the, that comment. He's like, you know, at Marvel, we don't have these problems. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I think that's really one of my favorite Stan Lee, uh, Stan Lee moments. But huge respect to DC for recognizing, you know, the legend, which is Stan Lee. Yeah. And, you know, swallowing their pride and, and acknowledging that this is going to be something that people talk about. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Any others, Brian? Um, the other one that I really, really liked, again, wasn't necessarily in a Marvel movie. It was in the movie Mallrats. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. It, with Jason, um, yeah. Oh, uh, what's his name? Jason, uh, anyways, he's standing yeah. with a character. Anyway, yeah. So he's, he's, uh, I was going to say Jason Biggs, but no, that's the, uh, uh, American, American Pie, Pie guy. Right. Um, so in Mallrats, he actually is standing with the main character who's having these like problems with his girlfriend, and uh, his girlfriend had just broken up with him. So he's he's, he's Stanley cameo Mallrats. Oh, sorry, I did that out loud. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so and then he meets them in the, he meets this guy in the mall because Stan Lee was just at a comic book store doing an autograph signing, and he meets this guy in named, the mall named Brody. 
played by party. Jason Lee. There you go. There you go. Oh, I was going to say Lee, but it didn't sound like enough name. No, it didn't yeah. sound. Yeah. I, I know you're right. Like Jason Lee Smith or Jason Lee. Jason Lee, Lee Stan Leighton, Lee. Lee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, keep going. But he so he gives this whole love lesson. And uh, he's using all of these characters that he created, and he said, like, oh, you know, I created all these characters really because I was in love with this woman, and uh, she was the one that got away, and that made it so that I I created all of these characters. And then afterwards, the guy was all, he's all motivated again to, you know, go after the girl, and his buddy comes by after the guy leaves and says to Stanley, you know, thanks, that really helped him, and... You know, it turns out that that was all bullshit. He, <laughs> he didn't say he didn't actually create those characters because of that. But it was that was a really cool cameo. Bless you, Stanley. Art. I got multiple ones. I guess I like of his. I think the one where I laughed like the hardest was I think it's in Deadpool one. He's like the DJ at a strip club. Yeah. Oh, right. Chastity, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And he's like, I think his line is something like. You can't buy love in here, but you can rent it for thirty. Yeah, for thirty minutes, <laughs> <laughs> and just just the you know like his get up as DJ is it's fantastic. I also like uh, the one I think it's in might be the best part of Avengers, the second Avengers, mm. where. Thor's talking about this uh, drink that he has that's been like oh, made. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, and he's like, hand it over, you blonde ponytail, whatever. Yeah, and he yeah. drinks it, and then the next scene's like him getting, you know, carried out of there. And he's like, Excelsior. Yeah, he's like a war veteran. He's got a hat on. That might be objectively not the favorite or anything, but that's, I think, the best Stanley cameo. Well, especially because that has a callback a little bit afterwards. Once it once it hits him, you know, right? Like the next in the next scene or whatever, and he's like, Excelsior, yeah, yeah. kind of yeah. drunk and Excelsior. Yeah. That's the best. And like chirping Thor, yeah, chirping that's for awesome. Right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's uh, it's, I think that was my favorite part of that movie, actually. Yeah, yeah. So uh. I also like the one in uh, Civil War at the end where he's like, Tony Stank is Tony Stank. Oh, right. he's yeah, the FedEx yeah, driver, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> he knocks yeah, on the door. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, that movie's like really heavy in the way it ends and everything. And then all of a sudden he comes in and is awesome, Stan Lee, and everybody laughs and they can, you know, exit that movie with a laugh. Fantastic. Yeah. Polly. Um, I'll just say, because I like Tony Stank, I like the one he did in uh, Thor, uh, the most recent Thor, Ragnarok. Because he's like gonna give him a haircut. Oh, the barber! Right. Oh, yeah. right. He's on. Yeah, he's like this otherworldly barber. He's on another planet it. or something. Because usually what they did with Stan Lee is they like he's just uh, he's like he's a FedEx driver yeah. or his like, bystander. I think he's been a FedEx person more than once. And like the old Fantastic Four movie was also like a delivery man. <laughs> oh, that's right, postman. He's like always in these very janitor. As it seems very Stanley, you know. But for him to be in this like really crazy get up in Thor Ragnarok. Kind of made me have a little chuckle. And does and he have the like, he has a spinning hand? CG, or yeah, Edward Scissorhand yeah. kind yeah. of thing. Yes, yeah. this one he actually has an effect on the main character, and that like he he cuts his hair. Thor's hair, hair incredible, yeah. incredible. So I really like that one a lot. And do you know what's neat too? I'll say before we get to yours, bug, because I am excited to hear. But um, the the earlier Stanley cameos were just like non-speaking. Like uh, it was the blink and you'd miss it. It was like you know it was like the very first Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. All he does is like almost get hit by falling debris, or he like yeah, he pulls the lady out of the way. Right? Out of the way. Yeah. yeah, and then even then the next one after that too. That's again kind of all he does, and and so it became such a fan favorite thing. I have to imagine they were like, let's give him a line. Now. Yeah, they got better. I think they, they got, got better and yeah. bigger and more. Yeah, yeah so um, that is one thing that's neat because of course since he's passed, 
all you've seen on YouTube is those compilations, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. sure. We've yeah. all. I yeah. think that's why we all have them fresh in our memories. We've all watched one. Uh, the, yeah, the, the first one I can recall seeing was in, um, I think, the first X-Men movie. And somebody comes out of the ocean, and everybody's just like staring at him because he's he's kind of got gill. He's been recently he's a human. <laughs> right, he's yeah, been yeah, recently right. mutated. The senator, yeah. the senator, yeah. And so he's sort of walking. He's all dazed, and everybody's staring at him. And there's Stanley as this hot dog vendor. No words. He's just sort of like watching. He's just like one of the characters in the background. Um, I have, I would say three, except the third one I haven't seen is I, I want to see this this Teen Titans one. But in my head, this is just such a beautiful, glorious thing. And again, all respect to to Stanley and and DC for for putting that together and making it happen. Um, I would say my second favorite one. I don't know if many people have seen it because I think it was cut from the theatrical release. But it's the sh- the short film called um, No Good Deed, which is which showed before Logan. Uh, it's a Deadpool short full of like, you know, Logan references. And there are like posters for Firefly and all sorts of little things, these little hints. And it, it's, uh, it's, it's just Deadpool walking along in his, in his civvies yeah. and an old man starts to get mugged and under the DC Superman music, by the way, he runs into the phone book and then proceeds to spend three minutes getting naked and then changing into his costume to great comedic effect while this, this mugging is going on, like just way stupid protracted in the end. And ultimately, the old man gets shot. And so Deadpool finishes getting on his suit, stumbles his way out of the phone booth, and in a cut that I don't recall seeing in the, in the theaters, but I... I Ryan Reynolds posted it on YouTube the next day. He jumps out of there, and Stan Lee's in the alley saying, hey, nice suit. And uh, Deadpool <laughs> says, zip it, Stan Lee, and then just <laughs> runs to this dead guy who's already dead. Um, I, I loved that moment and didn't see that until this week. That was the promo, I think, yeah. for the first or the second Deadpool. Teaser trailer. Yeah, but yes. teaser. Was yeah. Stan Lee in that one? Yeah. I wonder if the one before Logan had the zip it, Stan Lee, and then maybe the, the teaser trailer that was released online didn't. As I read, anyways, the one that came out um, didn't have Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. That was in that was in the uh, that was in the actual theaters, huh. and then Ryan Reynolds posted on YouTube the next day. Huh. Um, and again, my memory is not is not putting it together as having right. recalled Stan Lee. But my very very favorite one would be from the 2003 Hulk movie um, with uh, Edward Norton, and I think it's Edward Norton. He's going into like his sciency building. And Stanley is like your head security guy. He's coming out with another security guard. And he's like, you know, as far as I'm concerned, security in this building could be, you know, way improved kind of mm-hmm. thing. And they say hi to him as he goes in. The thing about this cameo is Stanley is walking beside the other security guard who is Lou Ferrigno. Right. Who was the Hulk yeah. from The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. And I just, the, just all the beautiful, subtle callbacks for that. I, I love that. And that's probably my favorite. Nice. Yeah. What did you guys think of uh, the actor, uh, Army Hammer? I don't know if you saw this, but he was, like, shaming people for, like, posting pictures of Stan Lee what? and putting on the internet. Do you guys see this? I no. missed that. Why? Why would anyone be shamed for that? Well, he was, like, he's, like, I guess the way he uh, he worded it, he was, like, you know, a legend dies and all anybody wants to do is put up their narcissistic pictures of themselves and Stan Lee. And he got a lot of flack for it. But you know because what? Because he was That's like, what people do when anyone dies. Yeah, That's but he, what you do yeah. to like celebrate someone who's died? He's like, way to make it about yourselves. That's what he. That, that was his tweet. If you go, uh, on, let's yeah. turn Which that I think right has around. Since been put God. down. I think he since taken it down. Let's turn that right around. Yeah. Way to make it about yourself, Army Hammer. Right? Because yeah. like, a, who are you today? Mm-hmm. And B, <laughs> this is exactly what you're doing. And C. 
Come on, this you know, it's, Paul said this is exactly what this is, is. This is a memory of 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 a legend. Yeah. Well, because you know what I did when I when I found out that Stanley died, I almost immediately went to the Twitter accounts of Robert Downey Jr., uh, of yeah. Mark Ruffalo, of Tom Holland, just to see what they're they're you know what they would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was very curious to see like to to read about you know their kind of kind of. Twitter eulogies for to, to Stanley and it, it's and, and I don't know why why I did that I don't know if there's like you, you find comfort in that but like instant reaction right I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm just I was just sort of curious to find out what the reaction was yeah. I've done so, that before as well yeah. um you, you find you know person A dies and you go to associated persons B C and D because you right. want to see their reactions to it as well. Yeah. You want to be able to experience it. You got you're processing it yourself. Mm-hmm. But as far as like the specifically the thing that Army was yelling about yeah. the picture, like I really enjoy that. My narcissism meter is pretty high. I am sensitive <laughs> to that kind is of it? a thing. But uh, oh yeah, and then uh, so but seeing Chris Pratt with his arm around Stanley yeah. or seeing whoever, I was like. That made me happy to see that. Yeah, and I'm with you. And it's like more pictures of Stanley, the better. And yeah, yeah, maybe there's a narcissism to it a little bit, but still, you know, people have expressed their grief in different ways. So who is he to decide how no. to express it? That's right? ridiculous. So he got a lot of flack for it, and I think Good. he since post uh, since t- taken down that tweet. Hmm. But yeah, it was a big uh, item there this past week since uh, Stanley passed. Okay, shall we get happy? Stanley yeah. would like us to get happy. Let's talk about forks. Um, the a, a, a teaser trailer was released for Toy Story 4. Did anybody know that Toy Story 4 was coming? I had no clue. No, I thought they had pretty much wrapped it up with a trilogy. Yeah, Big surprise here, I'd say, this one. To the strains of Both Sides Now by Joni Mitchell, very emotional song to begin with, mm-hmm. we have a slow motion pan of a whole bunch of Toy Story characters, and I, I, you can't tell if they're like midair and flying. It's kind of a blue background behind them. It's sort of really left up to your imagination. And they go through a string of the classic um, Toy Story characters until you get to a fork named Forky, yeah. who is vehement that he is not a toy. Hmm. Which, by the way, Disney, thank you very much because parents all over the world, I'm sure, are thanking you for encouraging, you know, not a plastic fork to be a, a toy. <laughs> And yeah, Forky runs out of there, and uh, they're all holding hands, so everybody falls down, and uh, and it's uh, there's a teaser for uh, Toy Story 4, which is coming in summer 2019. Did you see the other one, though? There's two. What? That's yeah. Right. There's two, and it features no. uh, two carnival, um, carnival stuffies, uh, a bunny and a ducky. And those guys are voiced by Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele. Oh, Key oh. and Peele. That's brilliant. Yes. All right. Yeah, I'm yeah. in. All right. Awesome. Yeah, and it was really funny because they talk about, it was basically their reaction to the fact that Toy Story 4 is coming out. What? That's and they're amazing. they're like how much they love it. <laughs> they're getting the catchphrase to infinity and beyond wrong. Oh, and yeah. yeah, it was really funny. It's really good, yeah. And then uh, Tom Hanks and Tim Allen come out and be Woody and Buzz. It's good. I Okay. Everyone's excited about Toy Story 4. That's great and all and good. Can I just draw attention to a weird thing that's happened with Toy Story that wasn't there in the original Toy Story? Is like how overly emotional it is. How Toy Story now is the franchise, the animated franchise, 
that is synonymous above any other, maybe even more than Bambi, with crying. Stabbing you in the heart and, I know, ripping your heart from your chest and all the freaking feels. I know. I started a little, maybe tiny, tiny bit, you know, Toy Story 2. I guess it's where you go when you have, a, a, they decided to age Andy along with the franchise. That's the thing that happens with toys. They get put away in an attic or given away and you have this emotional, uh, you know, the whole thing was predicated on the toys being in love with Andy and all that and then he was eventually going to abandon them because everybody grows up so that slowly started happening in 2 and then 3 was all about that and that was the big emotional ending and climax of the film as everyone's crying desperately that either the toys are going to what get burned in an incinerator or then they eventually get well, given so, away and, I, and now this one too though it's like the hype that I've heard is like oh two trailers surprise that's fun but the other thing that I've heard is Tom Hanks weeping weeping in tears and flowing down his face as he's reading the lines in the final oh, scenes no. of this movie, right? <laughs> why Why this? Why I wonder how did this happen? You're yelling again, Paul. <laughs> um, I, I kind of see this as, well, one, Toy Story 1 came out in 1995, and uh, now we are all old people that like to cry. Right. Um, but yeah, so, so the point is, Toy Story 2 is not when Andy gets old yet, right? Andy doesn't get old right. until Toy Story 3. Right. Toy Story 2 is about him meeting Jesse... And uh, Jesse's story is about her previous owner uh, aging, right, right? Yeah, and getting okay. old. And yeah. that was kind of the sad thing about Toy Story 2. In Toy Story 3, the significant thing is that now it's happening to Woody and Buzz and everybody and the whole, the whole Toy Story gang, right? And, uh, and then eventually, you know, goes on to find a, a new owner. Um, I think that's just, that's just it. I think that's the uh, Toy Story has found this arc that has you know that really plays on the sentimentality of you know the toys that you had when you were growing up um and i you know i i i wish i remember where my uh, my old he-man toys are and yeah, stuff right and right. It, that's the thing that i love about toy story is that it it gets me to that place where it's like ah oh, shit what did i do with those old toys because <laughs> i used to play with those a lot right right well maybe, maybe i've answered my own question in that there's like that's pretty much what you do to have a story about toys be re- you know be so resonant mm-hmm. right so like at first it was the neat thing about toy story i guess was like yeah, it was a fun well written animated movie and it was a technological breakthrough because it was the first full length computer animated movie right yeah okay i guess and uh, <laughs> i guess to uh to make sure that it still has that that place this franchise that they're going to continue cranking out movies is that it's also the most sentimental of all these animated features. Well, here's the thing. I've got friends, and I've seen on the internet, but I've got friends who swear by Toy Story 3 as their favorite Toy Story movie, right. despite all the emotion and tears. Maybe because of it. Maybe because of it. Absolutely. Yeah. They're critically acclaimed, all three of them that have come out. They're do, all magnificent works of art, really. Do we need another Toy Story movie? I don't know, but give like, me Tom Hanks, give me Tim Allen. You know, You'd have me. to have a heck of a plot. I would, to, to me, anyways, it would be a plot that would be something different. And the introduction of Forky and Cheese of Key and Peel yeah. are in this movie yeah. uh, with any sort of... That would be great. That would be the injection of freshness and newness that it would take for me to get the see, to see the movie. Because I cried enough. I don't want to cry anymore. Freaking movies about toys. All I'm Just saying don't. is <laughs> if, if Tom Hanks, Tim Allen are in it, I'm probably in. So I'll see it. Let's <laughs> talk about uh, Talking Electric Mice. Uh, trailer came out for we we knew the Detective Pikachu movie was coming out. 
y'all know that Detective Pikachu was a game first, right? Oh, no, was it? Oh, okay, sure. Okay, so uh, in March, I think it was of this year, the uh, game for the Nintendo 3DS came out, which was Detective Pikachu. My kid and I have played it, and I'm, I ooh, spent a good portion of the game just kind of staring at it going... Why? <laughs> Why is Pikachu talking <laughs> in 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 the game and in the movie? Because because for for those of you who don't know, Pokemon cannot be understood by human beings. Possible exceptions being Meowth, um, who I believe he was abandoned and went and learned human language. Oh. I can't remember the entire backstory, but it was in an episode of Pokemon that my kid watched once. Oh, okay, so Meowth is the only exception. Otherwise, Pokemon say their name. Pika Pika Pikachu, right. and and it, and and in Pikachu's case, it's this one one lady from Japan who I believe voices both the English and um and uh, Japanese versions mm-hmm. for consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, and all they say is their names or syllables of their names. And then here comes this story about this this Pikachu, which is as confused because there are multiple Pikachu's by the way. This Pikachu is as confused as everybody else that he can talk, except. He is the only one aware of this. And then he finds this kid named Tim, um, whose father was a detective. And the Pikachu, again, just sort of amnesia comes out of this thing. He's he's intelligent. And he is also kind of detective-y. And these guys team up to solve a mystery. But it, it, I still can't get over it. It's a talking Pikachu. That's in the game? That's all in the game? Yes, it is. Wow. The, oh. the movie is based off of the game. So we have a Detective Pikachu movie coming, I don't know when. And Ryan Reynolds is the voice of Detective Pikachu. And it's set in Rhyme City, and it like the the po- the Pokemon theming is beautiful. Like all yeah. the little details that they took care of, both in the in the in the poster and the trailer itself. All these things. Like first off, there are Pokemon everywhere, but then there are signs for all these various Pokemon things. It's going to be a huge nod to all the fans who know the minutia mm. of this game. But yeah, you got a freaking talking Pikachu that only one person, this kid, can understand. To everybody else, he's still saying Pika Pika, um, which is hilarious uh and this dropped and honestly i think it looks fantastic what do you guys think i got many thoughts on this one please oh, let's hear go it. go yeah. art go first off i mean i don't know anything about pikachu and pokemon i missed that in my uh youth growing up but yes i watched this and i was like without knowing anything and i was like man this looks funny this looks good good i'm glad they have like ken watanabe's in it as yep. well and i'm like man i'm mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Uh, also recently added was uh chris gear uh, chris Greer, uh, gear and bill nye were oh, added to cool the- yeah yeah wow. and yeah ken, ken watanabe as well and yeah you answered my question about what it's based off of and you said a video game or whatever yeah uh my only issue with this and i and i love ryan reynolds but hearing his voice is such a distinct voice yes, right yeah. it's mm-hmm. like Am I, like, hearing Deadpool? Is is that what I'm hearing here, you know? And I think that's the only thing that would hold this movie back for me. But, yeah, the trailer was fantastic. Because it's difficult to suspend your disbelief because all you're hearing is Deadpool, who is normally not seen really anyways either with a full mask. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. And it kind of took me out of it a little bit there. But watching the trailer, I was like, this is fantastic. This looks fun. There's great actors in this. I'm in. Yeah, it looks like an amazing movie on its own. Hopefully we can get past the whole ryan reynolds thing yeah. i think he was using sort of a different uh different uh, range range portion of his voice to sort of differentiate himself uh from deadpool i still did hear it but it wasn't overwhelming to me mm. 
I'm not going to doubt Ryan Reynolds. That's why I'm in. I did have a thought, too, that, like, oh, because especially when watching it, I thought, oh, did they, like, make this kind of an adult version? Is he going to say, like, what the fuck or something? <laughs> yeah. You know, like kind of like how Deadpool would say. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it was that. I, I do see your point on that. Um, and I also I kind of thought that when it was announced that Ryan Reynolds was going to be the voice of Pikachu. First of all, I was confused as you just because it was like, I know Pokemon a little bit, but I know Pokemon that don't talk, that just say their name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, is Ryan? Uh, did they pay Ryan Reynolds like millions of dollars just to say Pikachu over and over and over? <laughs> um, or did they pay him to actually have lines? Yeah. And this this uh, trailer kind of solves that. But yeah, when I saw the trailer, I was like, well, I think I'm in. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised that I'm in, but uh, yeah. That's what I said, and I know nothing about Pokemon or anything like that. So, yeah. But that's good. I like hearing yeah. that. Like As a fan, I love yeah. to hear that it can draw in non-fans. Yeah. I grew up with Pokemon and I liked it as a kid, I remember. Um, my favorite part, I think, of the trailer was the part where uh, the you know, like the, the other woman can only hear the Pika Pika. And, it, and it's the, the Japanese voice. Japanese it's that voice. high-pitched girl's voice. Yes, that like flooded, that split second flooded me with nostalgia. But I agree, too. I think um, Ryan Reynolds, and it's happened in other movies he's been in, too. I've had the exact same feeling where Oh, you're just playing Deadpool again. You're just dead, a different Deadpool. And I think it's uh, it's going to be a little bit of a victim of his own success thing. He mm-hmm. nailed his Deadpool so well, and it's so much of clearly him, that no matter what he puts into other characters, I still got a little bit of a Deadpool thing going on in my brain there. My brain realizes it without me being conscious of it. Solid point. That That's hard for me. So, yeah, good point, Art. Um, I'll probably still see it though. Everyone looks so excited. That's the the vibe I get online. Is just like, what am I doing being excited for a Detective Pikachu? Yeah. <laughs> what the? F- how did you do this trailer? But there it is, and uh, yeah, it does look great. The Pokemon for the first live action Pokemon movie oh. look incredible. Looks and so good. Pikachu is fuzzy in this yes. one. Like he has hair. He's cute. Um, some of them are, you know, they're they're like uh, s- slick or whatever. But yeah, yeah, the fuzzy, the fuzzy Pokemon yeah. are fuzzy, yeah. which you could never really be sure of in the cartoons as to whether or not they right. were. But damn, he looks adorable. Yeah, he looks adorable. so cute. So they're gonna be selling a lot of merchandise. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Back to your point, because the other person that that did that to himself was Hugh Jackman with Wolverine a little bit. Uh-huh. And I, like I'd look at a role with him in it, and sometimes I'd see. Wolverine, and he actually poked fun of that. There was like a scene in one of, I think it was like the recent, like the most recent night at the museum. Mm. Um, where he was <laughs> I like, like the first one. Yeah. Well, they, well, they're doing, going on this chase and stuff, and, uh, and they go into a theater, and then, um, Hugh Jackman is on stage in the theater playing a Shakespearean character, and then this guy, this character from the museum, comes up and interrupts the stage play and they they have kind of an exchange of words and all of a sudden he's like, look, buddy, you got to get off the stage right now. And it looks like they're going to get into a fight and he does the... No! Like, <laughs> That's awesome! And then the, the guy's like, uh, what is he doing? What, what what is he doing right now? And then the other actress is in there. Oh, he's going into his berserker mode. Like, oh, you know, what? Wolverine. That's amazing! Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, that was kind of one of those things too. It reminded me of like, well, yeah, the same guy, Wolverine was almost a victim of his own success as well. well. This isn't even his likeness, though. This is just his voice, right? Yeah, that that's right. That just shows the Deadpool. 
But the thing is, yeah, most no. of Deadpool is yeah. done in voiceover because you know you can't you can't field record you know the fabric over your mouth or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I think it's the kind of uh, sound that we're used to hearing from him is in voiceover, which is again how it's going to be as a Detective yeah. Pikachu. I think that could be what works though, and I think that's what they were thinking of is like, wouldn't it be funny if? You know, you're picturing what Pikachu's voice would sound like in real life underneath all the Pika Pika, mm-hmm. uh, and you would not think Ryan Reynolds, right? And you wouldn't think mm-hmm. that like this kind of sarcastic, um, witty, witty, yeah, yeah, witty voice mm-hmm. is yeah. going to be the guy that voices Pikachu. Yeah. In the game, I was going to ask you. Yeah, in the game, it's this gruff gumshoe type. Like detective, really? no, seriously, that's why it was so jarring to yeah. me, and it totally, truly, like split the audience. Like uh. some people absolutely loathed this and refused to play the game because of this, yes. and other people like me were just like shocked and you know slackjawed about it, but but intrigued and did play the game. But yeah, the, the, the detective Pikachu in the game is kind of like this low voice. Oh, we got to get this kind of thing done, kid, and it's so strange because pika pika, it's not that you know, and it's really what you all of what you think it should be. Eh-eh. This is actually, uh, it's like, uh, maybe they learned a lesson from the voice of Super Mario, who for years, right, you see this is like Italian fat mustache plumber, and every person when they were looking to do voices, we're strong, we're doing their impression of the live action Super Mario TV show, Lou, what was his name there? No, 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 before that, way before that is like, uh, hey, Paisano! Don't worry, Princess. Luigi and me will climb that mountain before you can say spaghetti and meatballs. That's the live, yeah, live that's action, right. horrible, yeah. horrible. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Who's the wrestler? He's an old professional wrestler who played him, right? Like, yeah, I, um... Oh, man, I'm going to look this up. I know, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Lou something. Uh, Anyways, awful, awful movie. So whenever they were going to voice Mario, uh, you know, when, when cartoons before that and everything, it was always like, all right, he's a, a plumber. He's from Brooklyn. So everyone would come in and be like, hey, uh, what's going on here? I'm a Super Mario over here. Hey, watch it and all that. Yeah. And then it was um, uh, Martinette as the guy who voices him since Super Mario 64 where they're like, all right, let's put a new voice on Super Mario. Everyone was doing the, hey, what's going on over here? I'm walking here voice. And then this guy, it was like, he was a last minute audition, if you know this story. And he was like, oh, fuck, everyone's doing the the Brooklyn accent. So he did like, uh, bobbity boopity, like the, yeah. right? It's that a kind me. Of, it's a me. Like the high pitched, yeah. like more Italian, like from Italy voice yeah. from Mario. And that was so different, so endearing. And that's why they hired him to do that voice. And he's been Super Mario for the last, what, no, is it 25, 30 years? Yeah, I, and, and he also does all the ancillary characters. Like, he moves his register right. a little up to be uh, Luigi and then gives yeah. it some gravel to be, wa, you know, wa, wa, Wario or Waluigi. Right. And he does, like, a ton of them. But they're all him, Charles right. Martinet, uh, which is incredible. So maybe that's what they were doing with Pikachu, too, right? It's like, we're so used to one thing, and it fits, and it's great. So let's do the exact opposite. And that's Ryan Reynolds, or that's, uh, uh, you know, there's old gumshoe. I'd love to be a fly on the wall of those execs when they're making these decisions. Right. Like, who to go, because you can, you can get a lot of people to be the voice actors for these, right? Mm-hmm. So. I guess then you didn't know that there was a petition to get Danny DeVito to be the voice, did you? Of Pikachu? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That would have been better! See, because the game came out, there was rumors of a movie, and the internet started a petition to have Danny DeVito be the frickin' voice of Detective Pikachu. Oh. And his voice would have been a much closer alignment to, anyways, the, the, uh, the Western version of the game. Um, did you... Now, I sent... <laughs> 
uh, a link in a group chat we were having this morning, Brian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have a great, awesome thing in our new control room on The Zone where we can't uh, listen to audio on the screen we mostly use for uh, watching the internet. Yeah. So I have to, if I ever come across something mm-hmm. in my news feeds, I have to send it to myself, usually through Facebook, to watch it on a different computer. It's yeah. awesome. It's really <laughs> slick. Um, so, um... <laughs> I was doing that in your group chat today, and the article was someone has redubbed the Detective Pikachu uh, trailer with insane right-wing conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. No! <laughs> and so that's <gasps> awesome. Oh, wow. But then further down in that same article, uh, someone also had done it with uh, someone else I can't remember. Oh, it was really making me laugh. No, no, the Danny DeVito one was making me laugh the most. And so that makes sense that there was actually a petition out. That's who it should have been. So someone's done that with clips from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. All he says is insane things. (laughs) And so that in the Pikachu voice was giving me the lols hard this morning. Must go seek that out. That's funny. It's really funny. Can I go on a really long callback? Please. Lou Albano. Lou Albano, yeah. yeah, yeah wrestler, right. he was the guy in what the Super this? Mario Super Show. Yeah. That uh, horrible, horrible uh, TV adaptation <laughs> from the 80s. Yes. They are making a new Super Mario Brothers cartoon movie, though. That's in That's the right, yeah. I, we don't know much about that, but that is that is starting to happen, and I kind of love the... Uh, Imagination, who I think is the... The group behind uh, the Minions m- movies, so oh. I won't I won't really fault them for that. But yeah, um, yeah there's uh, yeah they are apparently working on that. So, so I know this is a big tangent, but can I say to that? And you know who's involved with that Super Mario Brothers movie though? Shiggy. Yes, Shigeru Miyamoto, the one who invented Super Mario and has been in uh, so instrumental in his like evolution throughout the games. And that's why the games are so fun always, where it's like Mushroom Kingdom, Princess's Castle, Bowser, right? That mythology is so great in the games, whereas like whenever they try and do it in a movie or a TV show, it's always garbage, like absolute trash. Shigeru Miyamoto is the guy who created Mario, yeah. called him Jumpman at the time, and, right. and Donkey Kong, and The Legend of Zelda, and Pikmin, like he's created... Uh, just like a swath of absolutely iconic mm-hmm. Nintendo characters. And to know that he is involved with this movie sells me immediately. Because, yes. yeah, you've had just some horrible adaptations before. But thank Frick. You know, because he's getting on there. So I want, really want something, invo- you know, with his involvement. He's like, he's the hero to me of Nintendo. Yeah. He's well, the heart. Every Mario Brothers uh, adaptation uh, throughout time clearly has been creative people let's say they're creative people who were given this property and be like i don't i don't know is like that there's a princess and there's like the <laughs> turtles and a, yeah. a goomba i don't know what that is it's famous a, we better a, do something with it you know it's like goomba that's a slur but like it's a, <laughs> for some reason that's in this video game and it seems to be working for them so I, I don't know just rework it make a movie out of it make a thing out of it and they've all come back with because it's true you put those all in a pot and you're gonna get a pretty shitty stew unless you know exactly how to spice it and Shiggy does. Yes, he does. For the games, anyways. So for him to be involved in the movie, very exciting. I'm stoked on that. Sorry very, to get very. way off, but it hey, there's no, a thread. That was a, a topic I didn't get to last week on the Geek I, I wanted to talk about that because yeah. yeah, I'm very excited. We're so early days into this. Yes. But again, it has my heart and my wallet already because <laughs> Miyamoto's involved in it. Yes. I think we've done pretty good so far. We've talked about things that are, you know, that don't really have too much detail, but I think now we're going to get into um, spoiler territory. So I think it's important that we that we give our, our, our new patented trademarked spoiler alert. Hello, everyone. This is a spoiler alert. Thank you. 
Thanks, Mary. Uh, should we? <laughs> love, love Mary. Mary is our sub-receptionist. Uh, our main receptionist, Tess, is away for a couple weeks on uh, a beautiful-looking vacation. And uh, so, yeah, we get uh, Mary pages throughout the building for a uh, couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's talk Walking Dead. Um, you want to talk about the cabin and the... Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I rewatched this episode and and saw these details. What's what's happening? So in Rick's final episode, and, and this was kind of a couple weeks now for me, and that like because we I know we were talking about Rick's final episode last podcast, but director Greg Nicotero put a couple of Easter eggs in that final episode, and there's this one scene where Rick is uh, resting in uh, this cabin because you know he had been impaled by rebar and he's running away from from zombies and stuff. And he gets away enough to, um, you know, to to be able to rest in this cabin. And this cabin is actually a cabin that appears in uh, another famous movie, uh, The Evil Dead, which is kind of cool. Uh, another thing that that shows on uh, that shows up in here is uh, okay. It's the I'm going to say it's just going to say it's the Book of the Dead. Well, how do you how do you, the Necronomicon? There the you Necronomicon. go. The Necronomicon ex mortis. Yes. yes. So um, that's that's pretty cool. How yeah, it kind of has fun, and it's 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 cool because it's you know it's paying a little homage to the horror movie genre. I totally missed it the first time, and after I read this article, I went back and I watched that yeah, scene again. I'm like, oh, it there it is. Yeah. Perfect Easter egg length, not the kind of thing that you would notice. Mm. And then yeah, when they back out on the cabin, it's it's the cabin. I completely missed the book just because it's like underneath. Oh, it's a dark scene. And, it's yeah. just one of many pans in there. It's easy to miss, but that's why it's an Easter egg, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I suppose I think Greg Nicotero worked on one of the Evil Dead remakes. Yeah, yeah, he did. So what a great tie-in. What a great little uh, tribute and homage. That Evil Dead remake, uh, I've chosen not to watch it because it looks absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I could barely get past the trailer. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was that terrifying, but uh, uh, I remember it because it was on, like I have the movie channel. I, I don't remember what it's called now, but I like I, I subscribed to Shaw and had the movie channel and I was watching something Late at night, I think it was like in around ten o'clock. <laughs> oh, no. I was watching a movie. I fell asleep during the movie. Oh no! It's oh, even worse. I woke, <laughs> and I woke up on my couch at two in the morning to the most disgusting scene from like The Evil Dead. I got all these. And I just kind of woke up. Sounds. Oh, yeah, and I no. woke up. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Oh my god! I couldn't close my eyes. Couldn't find the remote to turn the channel. Oh, no. that's so bad. Oh, it was the worst. That's terrifying. Uh, you live in a house as well, Brian. We've talked about this before too, but and specifically to the Evil Dead, yeah, and that super scary new remake. I couldn't watch it either, living in a house because the way that the cabin is, I just felt like I'm there. I'm there. I'm gonna get gotten. I don't know what it is about. Like I used to live in a house, wouldn't watch it. Now I live in an apartment. I'm higher up, and for some reason, I never think the ghosts can get me if I'm yeah, up. You're wrong. Higher up. No, I, you're wrong. No, I know I'm wrong. I know, but. The, premise of like Poltergeist 2 or something like that is they're in a skyscraper and they're getting got by ghosts. But because of the cabin situation, couldn't watch it living in a house. I so know. That's... Anything that's like out of your control, like ghosts, mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason, like even for me, like zombies, it doesn't phase me that much because I'm thinking if it's the zombies I'm thinking of and they're slow as fuck, right. I'm just going to grab something and mm-hmm. start chopping in the head. But if it's like ghosts and... Um, you know, I can't really control it, mm-hmm. and um, I'm watching something like The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, no. 
then you know that's it for me, and I can't watch it in my house because it's, it's like you know I'll I'll get thirsty in the middle of the night and I want to go downstairs for a drink, but I'm like. Uh, no, you'll be gone. Yeah, fuck it. I'm swallowing my spit. That's all yes, I'm doing. I know. You know. On that note, let's have a pop break. There we go. There you go. Art, Art Aronson has Thanks, opened guys. his pop. You didn't. You didn't even wait, Paul. You're just right in the middle of Brian talking. <laughs> okay, that's great, man. Help my mic away from it, though. Um, I'll say. I wonder. One thing, as I always say when we talk about Walking Dead, is uh, boring. I'm tired of it. Uh, but. One thing that they could do to be more interesting that zombie movies very famously always ignore is they really could get into some kind of mythology or um, reasoning for what the zombie apocalypse is doing. And they kind of did it in season one. Mm-hmm. It was a disease or something like that. It's something that, yeah, in in their world, it's basically something that everybody's already been infected, infected with. Infected with. Yeah. I know. But, I mean, is that really... You need something more supernatural to explain corpses walking around. I'm hey, sorry. I don't know when that like that was revealed. Mm-hmm. La- like I think later later in the show, but mm-hmm. it, the episode is TS nineteen for Test Subject nineteen. They're in this uh, they're in this bunker, the yeah. CDC, and yeah. this CDC, the yeah. CDC and this scientist one this one surviving scientist and right. his sentient AI or whatever. The, t- test Subject nineteen was his wife who got bitten, and like he has the whole record of everything, and uh, and and he shows footage of like an x-ray of her dying and then reanimating and then being shot in the head and there's one point where he whispers something to rick and rick looks all aghast and that isn't revealed forever until later but the the what was was it that everybody has it and that everybody who dies will reanimate you don't have to be bitten right so which Um, is why rick wasn't surprised when shane turned yeah i thought that was a great plot point myself right you you think there needs to be more to it yeah because that still doesn't like okay, so where did that come from? Where did that infection come from? And uh, they could do a something to explore. Yeah, really, where does it come from? The the in uh, movies previous in the original, very original Light of the Living Dead. I think there's like an old radio broadcast, something about like a meteorite or something. Something from the cosmos has come, and 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 that's supposed to imply that that is what is reanimating the dead. Mm. But kind of not really. And then uh, in the remake of Dawn of the Dead, there's a really uh, there's a TV broadcast, right? Like in a preacher, and he's spookily saying like, "When hell is full, the dead shall walk the earth." So kind of implying that it's like a end of days biblical is a supernatural reanimation of the dead because we've been cruddy people, and now nobody else can fit in hell. Yeah, exactly. Or just like it's end days, right? It's like the end is like the apocalypse. So. so, so what about something like that? And then, I mean, you can't because they're separate properties, but it does kind of ignite the imagination a little bit that like, what if someone was in that cabin in the woods reading from the Necronomicon and, mm. uh, you know, it's like you're awakened the deadites and that's, and then that spread over the whole earth and that's what to awaken the zombies. Again, you're trying to fill infinity episodes forever as long as it remains profitable Explore a different aspect of zombie lore that hasn't been done before or that in the movies and other properties are is specifically an on purpose kind of left ambiguous. Why not? 
Okay. Because it's the law? Is it the law of zombie things that you never quite know why it's always a mystery? We're always heading to Canada, and it's always a mystery. Because well, like, I think the, the things that you, you had said, like the radio broadcast and even like the television broadcast and the remake of Dawn of the Dead, mm-hmm. that's not a definitive reasoning. Like it's no. They have that television broadcast because it's like you, you sort of take those um, evangelical shows and stuff with a grain of salt, right? right. Like, as well as, yeah, like yeah, speculative radio broadcasts mm-hmm. too, right? So like, yeah, it happened to coincide with a meteor going by. No, I understand. Those are on purpose uh, loose and ambiguous and supposed to not be the real reason for it. I get that. I understand that. But at least it like gives you a little glimmer of like, ooh, what could it be that made zombies come to life? I agree with you, Paul. I don't get the infatuation with zombies at all. Never. And... Yeah, just because there's really nothing behind it. And maybe if this is creating something behind it, maybe I can get behind that. Maybe I'm interested in more no, zombie I don't, things. No, so that's the thing, though. Is like I don't think that's the point of zombie movie. I think this, the point of the appeal of a zombie movie is that post-apocalyptic world. It's that, that feeling living, you don't know what is going on. That feeling on. that you don't know what's going on, right. but it's fucked up the world, right. and now it's on you to survive in whatever the hell this is. Why do we want that? Well... I, I kind of agree there, and I think that, yeah, that and that, again, is the problem with this ongoing story mm-hmm. for Walking Dead. It's simply that, like, if they did, you know, delve into it, and it turns out there's like, yes, it's true, this was, a, like, a biological weapon created by the Russians, and it got out of hand, or whatever it is, yeah. right? Anything like that would be wildly unsatisfying. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, fuck, it's just a disease and, <laughs> that's why at this eugene like so that when eugene was introduced as a character mm-hmm. uh, he's like this nerdy guy that uh, is being protected by this army dude and this like badass you know killer chick um he's being protected because his character apparently knows the cure for the zombie apocalypse oh so they uh spend like half a season trying oh, to get him this, to yeah. washington right and uh it turns out he just said all that shit because he didn't know how to survive and he saw this guy and, right. you know, this guy could protect him and, you know, he he wanted to make himself feel Im- or be important so that this dude would protect him through all this He's stuff, dead right? smart, but only smart enough to keep himself alive by if lying. If it had yeah. panned out that he did actually know something yeah. and then their whole mission was to go to Washington to cure it, I just think that the show would get way bigger than, you know, than you're focusing. It's, it's kind of like this thing where it's like... Well, when an apocalypse or something bad happens, they're always focusing on the president. Why do they always got to focus on the, <laughs> the important people? Right. Right. Whereas like shows like The Walking Dead or or uh, other kind of post-apocalyptic survival shows that focus on small groups of people who are just a teacher or just something, yeah. you know, kind of running the mill instead of somebody super huge and important. That's kind of because it allows you to be able to relate to them and, and picture yourself in, in that, you know. You're, in that situation. You're super right. And also, I remember watching those episodes and being like, oh, we're going to get a little scientific, you know, more explanation? And mm-hmm. oh, really? Really? And then when it turned out that he was completely full of shit, I remember being like, ah, good. Yeah. <laughs> because, yes. Oh, and you know what? Oh, and it's so it's... So we know nothing more. Oh, good. That's that old zombie apocalypse feeling of just being totally in the dark and totally a mystery. So I get that. That's then the problem. The only satisfying kind of reason and explanation for any kind of like full on zombie apocalypse is really it is truly end days. This is the way that the human race is wiped out by this like Mm -hmm. global pandemic 
cannibalistic corpse walking. This is how everyone is wiped out, and then the earth is made clean, or whatever it is, right? And that's that's just the end of life on Earth. You know that this horrible zombie plague has been sent from on high to cleanse the Earth of humanity. Yeah, I don't find that but interesting that- at all. <laughs> okay, but that, <laughs> but that has Excellent. that has to be wrapped up pretty quickly. Because if it really is a plague sent from on high to cleanse of humanity, then that plan will work pretty quickly. So just, that's why, like a zombie apocalypse, the shelf life of it is like these people should be dead and dead and dead by now. As well, the zombies themselves should have decayed and fallen that's down why, into skeletons. That's why anthology stories within the zombie apocalypse works a lot better, right? Yes, because you, exactly. you get the beginning and end of a character arc within this universe, and nothing is getting necessarily resolved with. Like it's not going to be happily ever after all the zombies are killed, ever. right? Unless well, twenty eight days later. Well, well, yeah, twenty eight days later. Good call. Actually, and this was like right around the time when I like pulled shoot on Walking Dead in general. Is I saw someone just broke down the math simply of how long it would take. Mm. Let's say you have Rick and a group of like ten survivors, and they're killing. Uh, you know, it's like even if there's like one group per state mm-hmm. or per hundred thousand people or whatever you want to say it is, if they're killing zombies at a rate of however many per episode, you'll still be able to kill all the zombies. Right. Ten people killing all the other people, even if they're like the point one percent left in the world alive, will be able to kill all the zombies in pretty short order. Like in a couple of months. Well, that's pretty great. If a, if you're killing a few people a day, you can kill the population of the earth. <laughs> that's but you know what I mean? And so that again is like there aren't endless hordes forever. Eventually, you're going to kill all the zombies. You're going to run out. So yeah. my take my take on the whole zombie apocalypse thing is that a it's it's the backdrop. It is the thing that is uniting the people. Um and to your point art, I think I, honestly, I think zombie apocalypse shows are great to make people think about emergency preparedness <laughs> because there are these safety companies that are like, prepare for a zombie apocalypse because the real zombie zombie apocalypse is that earthquake that's coming for us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but it's not about the zombies. It's about the humans. You know, it's about the human connection and what what these individuals do to band together and, you know, face this common threat. And when I pulled shoot on um on walking dead i think it because it was involving too many humans and one particular human that was just whacking people with a barbed wire uh, studded baseball bat and like that's when i that's when i dropped out of there i'm only recently back into walking dead and because of this whole rick thing i basically caught up after the quote-unquote end of Negan's reign and then catching up to the whole Rick blowing up thing. Mm. And I honestly think my timing was perfect because this previous week's episode, whoa, I think mm. it, I think it, in, the, in the dying seconds of this episode, there was the beginning of the next wave of interesting plot points mm. with regard to the zombies. Do you want to talk about that, Brian? In terms of the pacing and everything of the show, the pace of this last show, this first I guess, quote unquote, reckless show Mm. was pretty damn good in terms of like they had some new characters that they introduced and whether or not, you know, deciding whether or not they're going to fold into the the group or then within to the community. And they introduced them very well. They have this whole what the hell happened over the last six years because they did this giant time jump uh, ever since Rick died. Oh, um, that, you know, has aged up his daughter Mm. to sort of be like, oh, she's kind of the new little badass. Right. Oh, Um, 
And new then beast. it has this, um, the new beast, the, yeah. yeah, the the little beast. And she's got the best of both worlds because she's got the katana, the hat, and the revolver. Yeah. Right. She's got it all. Um, and then they're introducing... 10 years old? 10 or 11, maybe, thereabouts? Okay. Yeah, somewhere yeah. around maybe there. 12, yeah. yeah, so she's basically Carl's age when Carl first started the show. Right. <laughs> Which, it's actually kind of... Uh, catches up to the time. Like, if we were looking at The Walking Dead in real time, this would be where they're at because this is essentially nine years after the uh, after Rick woke up in the hospital. Right. And then they're introducing a new element of walkers or or a group of walkers. I don't know if I want to get too, too spoilery, but fans of the comic book would know that they're, they're dealing with a group called the Whispers. Um, and that's a whole... Uh, set of you know they basically it ends. I with, see the furrow in your brow, yeah. Paul. <laughs> basically, it ends with two two of the main uh, uh, the main characters being chased, kind of trying to run away from zombies, and they've been running away from the la- for the last couple you know twenty four hours or something because uh, one of them's injured. And, and the group is the group of the herd of zombies is staying pretty close on their tail, yeah. which is kind of uncharacteristic for the zombies. So they finally find a place where they can. Uh, dig themselves into a ditch and cover themselves in mud and and camouflage themselves, hide out. And as the herd of zombies are going going by, all they hear is this: "Where are they?" Yeah, in amongst all of the zombie, and so one of them of, speaks. Where oh. are they? The, the other one says, "Don't let them get away." Or something they can't like that. be far. There are three yeah. speaking zombies somewhere in that herd. You hear their voices yeah. as uh, as Rosita and Eugene are hiding in the mud, and they are freaked out. And I was freaked out, and I'm also like, "Yes, this is the best time to return to Walking Dead." Yeah, so it's it's an interesting dynamic. We'll get to see what happens with that in the next couple of weeks uh, before they take their their half season break or whatever hmm. um the one thing i loved about this is that because they in be, in the between episodes they basically jumped six years so there's uh characters that they all look different you know they've all kind of changed themselves uh, and then there's one character that was a kid that was like maybe you know 12 13 years old at the you know at that time mm-hmm. uh and they aged him up to you know, to about 18, 18 19 years old. Um, his name is Henry. And his name is Henry. He, he's basically this kid that uh, lost his big brother back in the whole Negan conflict because one of the saviors killed him. Hmm. Uh, so he, you know, he got trained how to fight by Morgan. And he essentially got adopted by Carol. Uh, and now he's this older kid. And you know, I'm thinking to myself, how the hell did they age up this kid so quickly? Because he looks exactly like the younger version of himself, and apparently this kid uh, is part of a whole family of actors, and so his little brother played young Henry yes. uh, in the first half of the season and in the last couple of seasons, and now his older brother is playing this older version of Henry. Neat, which but is kind of cool. Just your way, and then their older sister in this family of actors actually played Sophia. From the first season! From the first and second season. Wow. That was Carol's daughter. Right. So I thought I thought that was pretty cool. That was neat. And now Carol is the adoptive mother of the real life brother of the sister who was her daughter in the show. I just, I love it. Great tie-ins. Well done. They got me back, Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> really? No. 
<laughs> no, but they've gotten me back, and I seriously think it is a fantastic time to be back. I am really looking forward to see how this Whisperers plot goes. People, comic people like Brian, they know what's happening, mm-hmm. and so I'm trying very hard to. I, I want a little bit of you know speculation and theories from those who are just watching the TV show, but I'm staying far away from the spoilers from those who read the comics because they know this arc, and it's coming up. All right, you zombie lovers. <laughs> right. And and and. Art doesn't get it. Sorry. We should cover maybe one more thing and then call it a pod. We should cover this thing because I talked about it at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> um, and that is uh, Disney's new streaming service. It has a name now. Disney Plus. <laughs> um, it'll it'll be showing up in late 2019, not uh, not earlier mid. And we knew about the Mandalorian that uh, the that's a live action Star Wars series is going to be on the channel. Pedro um, Pascal. Yes, yeah. we all well yeah. So we know about another live action Star Wars series uh, about Cassian Andor, Diego Luna from Rogue One, and um, I think we I think we th- we figured this was coming a live action Loki series. Starring Tom Hiddleston, yeah, who is basically the only person who can play Loki any and forevermore, in we my st- opinion. We still don't know though if it's uh, like if it's pre-snap, um, yeah, if it's like kind of pre-Avengers: Infinity War, or if it's yeah, it could be some, an origin story, either an origin story, or it could even be like what happened in between the time of Thor one, you know, when yeah. he kind of flies off into space after the bridge breaks. Oh yeah, so. It it could be interesting. It could be basically explain how he gets the Chitari army and stuff. Uh, Is Bucky uh, and uh, <laughs> the Winter Soldier and uh, Falcon? And Falcon. Falcon. Is that confirmed or is that just a rumor? Um, Good question. I thought that was confirmed. Well, I thought too. it was confirmed too. Uh, and I'm sure more news about that will come out because Hawkeye as well is supposed to have his own... Uh, his own thing. Those are like big actors, you know. Going well, Disney's into, sparing no expense yeah, on this, so, yeah. which is kind of cool. All and, right, can I address the Loki series? Is like uh, we've already seen his entire life, literally, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you see him as a baby frost giant in one of the first Thor movie. Yeah, and then him as a child growing up with Thor. And I have to imagine that between the ages of born and the first Thor movie, pretty much nothing happens because. <laughs> That's otherwise they would have made a movie about it. And then uh, we see him do a thing in Thor. Falls. And okay. falls. And then a thing in Thor 2. And then he dies and then he comes back to life. And then he's in the Avengers and he does his thing there. And then he's there and there and there. And then they bring him back for more Thor. And Thor, Thor, Thor. And then and then he dies. And the Avengers, in the spoiler alert, he dies and Thor and Thanos kills him. Maybe. Cassian Andor, on the other hand, is a character who we know nothing about. So there's lots of places to go with that? In his whole life. In fact, it might improve his character in Rogue One because I hated him in Rogue One. (laughs) Because I'm like, who is this guy and why should I give a flaming rip about anything about him? He didn't have much character. Okay, He was very boring to watch. And then he just dies. And who cares? And he says in the thing... uh, In Rogue One, like his fight started when he was, what, six years old or something? Yes, that's right. So he has plenty of life to explore and to get the original actor to do it. That could actually improve the character retroactively and make my enjoyment of him, even in Rogue One, all that much better. Do you think it maybe then takes place during, like, say, Clone Wars or... 
Uh, yeah, I guess it would have to almost. Maybe like a clone stormtrooper stomped on his birthday cake on his sixth birthday, and that's when his war began. <laughs> this feels like a like a bet between executives. Okay, let's give you a character with with no history and backstory, and yes. you make a series about him, and then let's give you a character where everything about him has been fleshed out over 70, 17 movies, and try and make a series about that. Go. <laughs> He's a god of mischief. Come on now. But that was... I don't... Uh, like, where, I'm just saying, where on his timeline of his entire life are you going to cram a TV series? Where is a fair question. I, I yeah. Logically, it would have to be after his quote-unquote possible, probable death at the hands of Thanos in, in, uh, in, in the Avengers... Um, what was it? Infinity, Infinity War. War. Um, but yeah, other than that, where would it go? I don't know. I almost don't care because I love Tom Hiddleston as an actor. I think he's uh, uh, that him playing that character. And that's what Disney's banking on here. We'll kind of have to sure. see too yeah. because, like, if if time travel is introduced into this whole thing with uh, in Avengers oh, Four, right? Maybe he doesn't end up dying at the hands of of Thanos. Right. You know, like yes. how he did on that ship in Infinity War. Time so. is no issue. In yeah, at this the point. Marvel Cinematic Universe. What is point. time yeah. even? I know, and that's a trope of comics in general: is that no one who dies is actually dead, and certainly. Loki has died, what, two or three times now in the mm-hmm. cinematic universe. and But that was what was supposed to, when Thanos said, like, no resurrections this time is his line, that was supposed to be the nod to the audience. So like, no, really, he's not coming back. This has weight to it. I know you're used to this guy dying and you don't even care because he'll be back next week. But no, really, I'm killing him. Have you heard uh, some of the rumors about and some of the fan theories on that one? No. That uh, the Hulk is actually. Ah, yeah, I hate that. You didn't one. hear that one? No, nah, I don't like that one. The Hulk that, is what? That uh, Loki's actually the Hulk, and that's why the Hulk can't. He's, he's Bruce Banner, Hulk. and that's why Bruce, Bruce Banner, Banner yeah. can't turn yeah. into the Hulk. Oh, Duh. for the love of Pete! What, Duh. we got a consciousness transfer or something? Nah, it's just I don't know. But funny. I think I the the rumor about Weird. that is because um, he was the Hulk when Thanos boarded the ship and he got his ass kicked, and then all of a sudden, as Bruce Banner, he knew everything about uh, Thanos and his plan. No, you know, <laughs> it all comes back to the so. adventures with us. We're not dealing in crazy conspiracy theories. Do I have time to talk to, to follow up on one yeah, thing? We do it, we're do talking it, do about it. Last week. Okay. Yeah. So last week we were talking about um, that image in Captain Marvel, right? The the, the promo image oh, yeah. in front of the, her in the payphone and uh, the payphone led to a sex chat line. Yes. Would we, and feel free to edit this out. Would we get in trouble if we called this line right Call now? it! Oh Bud, my God! call them! Use the phone! It's built right in! Call Use it! Use the phone. I, I, Use the how phone. Do we, how do I bring the phone up? Okay, here we go. Oh, this is great. Okay. Uh, 1-800-654-2192. Go to the pod. We're all getting fired. Welcome to America's Hottest Talk Line. <laughs> Guys, hot ladies are waiting to talk to you. Press 1 now. Ladies, to talk to interesting and exciting guys free, press 2 to connect free now. Well, we're guys, all guys. press 1 now. Hit 1, bud. Ladies, That's fa- press 2 now. Hit 1. Let's see where it takes us. I'm glad they don't discriminate here. This is good. Well, agreed. In 2018, that's yeah, important. Yeah. What if I was not binary? That is discriminatory. Yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. But at the very least, you know, I mean, phone sex lines are outdated in you know to begin with. So at the very least, they've got, you know, there's something for the ladies, as it so were. So did you sure. hang up or did you press one? I just I hit one. So it's not leading anywhere. Oh. Oh, you maybe dropped the, the phone. phone sex line hung up on us? I, all so, I did was hit one. 
Oh, weird. Oh, man. Maybe it's, see, maybe it is. So, may, there you go. Maybe, maybe it, is. it is. And you again, know, phone lines popular in the 90s. You know, not call since. me weird. I could have sworn I heard that lady's voice on Toy Story. Oh, just stop it. <laughs> just stop it. That's enough. <laughs> Hey, none of us are fired. This is good. Yeah, that's true. We well, phone, okay. Mary yeah, so didn't we rat on us. It, it does take a while to, for them to send the bill, so I don't know. Well, <laughs> fair enough, fair but enough. But when they, um, when I, I, so the chat line specifically says, welcome to America's hottest talk line. And it says, like, ladies, to talk with exciting guys for free, press one now. Yes, yes. Um, so I Googled America's hottest talk line. On our work computer, by the way, too. Oh, jeez. Here we go. <laughs> this is hilarious. So I Googled that, and there were three articles that came up, one from 2013, one from 2016, and one from 2017. The one from 2013 says that um, the people were getting that message when they called um, a number that was printed for Maine's EBT, which is Electronic Benefit Transfer Cards. Oh, jeez. So basically to get information on, like, um, how much money they have left in government benefits, food stamps, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, geez. So an information line that was given out by May- the like the government in Maine um, <gasps> accidentally gave out this number to America's Hottest Talk Line. Um, also, back in 2013, uh, there was this thing in New York, this information line that was uh, given out in New York for the Common Core State Standards, which is like the kind of the academic standards uh, thing. And if you wanted to find out a little bit more information about that, but it accidentally led to this America's Hottest Talk Line. <laughs> and then um, another one that was accidentally tweeted out by FEMA back in 2017 for hurricane victims, if they're what? looking for assistance, uh, they tweeted out this number that their regular number is this 1888 number, but then they gave out their regular number, but accidentally tweeted out 1800, oh, no. and it led to this America's Hottest Talk Line. So maybe it isn't an Easter egg in this Captain Marvel thing, and maybe it's one of those things that gets, it's it's one of those, like, America's hottest talk line or whatever, this thing, it just eats up all these old, unused phone numbers. <laughs> so bizarre. Or, or maybe instead of pressing one or two, we should have pressed three, and we would have gotten through to a CIA contact or something. Mm. Eh? Right? Conspiracy? You give your challenge phrase, the eagle has landed in, in the north, and they, they say back, then, and then you're talking to the, to the chief of staff or something. Yeah. I believe this is all on purpose, still. I have uh, trust and faith in Disney that they did this on purpose. I would love to believe that. <laughs> Let's call it a pod, gents. Yeah, That's yeah, a yeah. pod. Guess what? Uh, next week, we're going to have a super-duper special guest who is supposed to be here this week but could not join us due to uh, scheduling difficulties beyond our control. Kirsten James from the Weekend Zone will be uh, joining us to talk Fantastic Beasts, the Crimes of Grindelwald. And you know what's a shame that she didn't get to be on this episode, number seven? Mm-hmm. Is that seven is the most magical number. Oh. That's why Voldemort made seven horcruxes. There you Thank you, Paul. <laughs> yes. Next week is going to be a very interesting discussion. Art, where can we find you on the internet? At Art Aronson. Uh, you can also find my other podcasts there. I have multiple other ones, but Between the Stammers on there. It's a... Uh, Another nerdy podcast. Nice. About sports, though. Polly. Um, at Paul Blasino, P-O-L-P-L-A-S-T-I-N-O, on the internet. And the PJ Party Podcast. And the PJ Party Podcast, <laughs> wherever you get your podcasts, That's but right. mostly just iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Ryan. Uh, you can find me at Art Aronson Gets the Zombie Apocalypse.com. <laughs> oh, call or, uh, <laughs> Every time. Or Boytano913 on Twitter and Instagram, or DJ Boytano on Facebook. And Brian at thezone.fm. Brian with a Y. There we go. 
I'm uh, Webmeister Bud on all the things and on Bud's Weekly Geek Out Wednesday, 7.20. Dylan and Jason in the Morning Zone. Love you all. Bye.